Well, before we get into the message today, I want to ask you a question. Has there ever been a time in your life where you had to take a stand? Has there ever been a time in your life where you, you took a stand for something? You, you stood up, maybe it was somebody that was in need or an injustice that was happening in your world, and you, you decided to take a stand for that, um, for, for that cause or for that person, or, or, or maybe it was something you didn't even expect to have to take a stand for, but, but, but there you were faced with a defining moment to maybe it was for your beliefs or stand up for something that you believed in or stand up for God. Uh, the, and, and you didn't necessarily see it coming, but, but you had an opportunity where you, you had a choice. Are you going to stand or are you going to run away? Are you going to stand or are you, are you going to just are you gonna forget about it? And I had this happen to me uh, just last week. We were, last Friday, we were, uh, actually two Fridays ago, we were about to leave the house and we were getting the kids ready. And those of you that have little kids, you know, that's like a process uh, to get the kids ready. It's like, where are your shoes at? Where, you know, do you have shoes? It's like they have all these shoes until it's time to leave the house. So, you know, my wife's taking care of getting all the kids ready and because uh, she's amazing. And I was, I was on the laptop, I was on my laptop probably doing something really, um, I don't know, I'm sure it was very important. Um, but I just remember that I wasn't helping like I should have been helping. And, and I was on my computer, and she was helping get the kids ready, and we were just kind of trying to leave the house. And I heard this scream, I mean, bloody murder death scream uh, from the hallway. So much so, I just I took my laptop, you know, closed it immediately, threw it down. And I was like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know if did one of our kids' heads fall off. Is there a zombie apocalypse taking place in our kids' bedroom? Uh, it, like, like, is, like, what has happened, uh, you know, if we entered an alternate dimension, like, like, what is, what is going on, you know, to, to, to do, because I've heard them, I've, I've, we've, I've been married um, going on 12 years, Kara and I, and so I know what the, I know what the scream sounds like, like whenever the, the, the you're about to have a wreck scream, I know that one, the, uh, I just saw a mouse in our house scream, I've heard that one. Uh, but this is a scream like I'd never heard before, and so so I, it was. It, it made my heart stop. And then the next thing I heard was, "There's a snake in our house," and it it uh, it, it I, I'm I had like a moment, everybody. <laughs> I I didn't have to change my pants, but I just about did. <laughs> Because there's a, short, there's a list of things in life that I can't stand. And I think snakes are at the very, very top of the list. And I know there are people that like snakes. And, and if that's you, there's deliverance for you today. Like you can, <laughs> we're going to have healing prayer at the end of this service. And God can, can, can touch your life and give you freedom. But I don't like snakes. Is there anybody with me that does not like snakes? Is, and, uh, and so... So yeah, so so I so it was immediately Kara says, "Boys, get your shoes on. We're leaving this house." And I think, "Good, I'm a boy. I'm leaving too. I'm getting out of this house as fast as I can." And then I start having an inner dialogue with myself, and it, it goes something like this: "Be a man. You can't leave the house." Then another part of me says, "But I want to leave the house. I'm not a man. I'm a boy. I don't want to leave. I don't want to." And then I, I hear something on the deep, be a man, you know, take control, you know, fight, fight the snake. <laughs> and, and I don't know, I don't know what to do. And, and, uh, and so, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to work up the courage 
And, and, and so I said, okay, 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 we got to do something. And, uh, you know, kids are crying. Everybody's freaked out. My blood pressure, you know, like my heart's like beating out of my chest. And so I run down to the, uh, I run down to uh, our garage and get the biggest rake that I could find and a hoe. And I walk, I walk up to, uh, I walk up there like looking like Terminator. I got like these, you know, arms and I'm like, but I'm in a zone. Ever. I mean, I'm in the zone. I'm in the snake killing zone. And uh, and we, we finally found the snake. It was about is about that long. Uh, and and, the, and and people ask me what color was it? Was it just a black snake? It doesn't matter if it was what color it was. It was a snake. It was in my house. <laughs> and uh, it was an anaconda. Everybody. <laughs> it was the biggest snake I'd ever seen in my house. That's what it was. And so 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 man, by the help of the Holy Spirit, I grabbed. That snake up in, in that rake and, and did what I, and uh, and we got it outside and it was a sac it was a sacrifice and I, I just came to tell you here there it is right there there it is dead in my front yard in the name of Jesus it's actually still in my yard because I haven't got the courage to take it out yet I thought to myself I mean one of my thoughts honestly was like who in the church likes snakes I mean like I was thinking like. I was like, we don't go to a snake handling church. Like, what snake? Like, like, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? But, but after my blood pressure came down, and uh, and we came back to reality, um, we, I, 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 I thought that was such a picture of what happens in life sometimes. That there are these moments, these unexpected storms or unexpected challenges that that come into our life that we have to deal with. And, and, and everything on the inside of me did not want to deal with that. I didn't want to deal with it. I didn't want to touch it. I, didn't want, I wanted to run out of my house and go eat a pizza. I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to forget about it. But, but, but think, I, thought to, I mean, honestly, you kind of rationalize a million things in a moment when you don't want to do something. And I think, you know what, if we leave, you know, maybe it'll leave. You know, it's like, <laughs> we just open the door, it'll, it'll leave too, you know. But think, think what would have happened if we just would have left and forgot that that was even happening and just, just said, oh, it's no big deal. And, and, and we would have, guys, we would have had to burn down the house or just sell it, everything in it, and say, snake included. I mean, we just keep it in there. Because there are moments in life when challenges arise where, where it's a defining moment. And, and, and you may not want to take a stand. It may scare you to death. It may shake you to your core. But in those moments, you have to make a choice of what you're going to do about the storm that you're in the middle of. I know we're studying Daniel, but I want to show you this scripture that Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 16 about our faith. He says this, be on your guard. And let's read this next part together. It says, stand firm in the faith. Guys, there are some times in our life that our faith will have a moment where we have to decide to just simply stand firm. That, that, that there, will be, there will be defining moments of faith where, where we don't necessarily want to fight it. We don't necessarily want to do anything about it. It may scare us to death, but we have to make a choice. What are we going to do in the storms of life? What are we going to do in the adversity of life? I'm preaching to somebody here today. I don't know who to, but, but somebody that's in a storm. And I, I just, I, I've titled this message today, Stand in the storm. Could you say that with me today? Stand in the storm. And I dedicate this message to somebody that's in the middle 
of a storm in your life and to let you know the presence of the storm does not mean the absence of the presence of God in your life. Just because you're in a storm doesn't mean that that God's not with you in the storm. Just because there's something that shouldn't be in your house, it still doesn't mean it's not the house of God. God gave me that house, and I'm going to get out. I'm going to get the enemy. I'm going to tell the devil not today. Don't you like that song? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? There's moments where we got to stand up, rise up, and say, Okay, I'm standing in faith even though it terrifies me. But I am doing this. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything in love. Well, I want to take us today to Daniel chapter 3 and show you a time in, in the life of Daniel and his friends, specifically today his friends that we learned about last week, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I want to show you a time in their life where they faced something that undoubtedly they didn't want to, that they probably didn't even expect to, but they decided to stand firm in their faith. Daniel chapter 3 verse 1 says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. So Nebuchadnezzar, which is the king, we learned about him last week, he makes a massive image of gold and the image is of himself. It's just, an, it's just a huge gold statue of himself and he sets it up. It says, he then summoned all the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all of the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before it. And and when the herald loudly proclaimed nations and peoples of every language, this is what you're commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. That's a storm. Because... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had an issue, and the issue was this, that they served not the gods of Babylon, but they served the God of the Bible. They served Jehovah God, and they served only God. And what is the reality in that day and in this day today is that Nebuchadnezzar, the culture, Babylon was okay with them worshiping the God of the Bible. They were okay with them worshiping their God as long as it wasn't the only God that they worshipped. They were okay if they worshipped God as long as it wasn't the only God. Like, oh, okay, you can can do your God thing, but also you need to bow down before our gods as well. You need to bow down before our culture as well. And, And our culture does the same thing. It says, well, you can go to church and you can do all these religious things and you can call yourself a Christian and you can go to school. There are teenagers, middle school, high school, college students that you're surrounded by people that they are called Christians, that they say they're Christians, but the reality is it's they're bowing down to what our culture is doing as well as trying to serve God but it doesn't work that way because God is that Jesus is the only way and he's the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through him so they had a choice to make do we bow down to our culture or do we stand up for God and that's the same decision that we have to make today it says therefore as soon as they heard the sound of the horn 
the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So when the, when, when the music played, and when the image was set up, those two things are very important, the music and the image, when these things were set up, that they had a choice to do, what, what they were going to do about the culture that they were in. I want to show you some, 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 some things that I think are kind of eerily the same as what happens in our culture today. First of all, culture creates larger-than-life images for me to worship. Or if I could say it like this, culture still creates larger-than-life images for me to worship. That, that, that we live in a culture today, and, and the Internet makes this possible in so many ways, in media and television and movies, we're surrounded by people that are larger than life, that, 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 that communicate things to us, that tell us how we are to live, what deodorant we are supposed to buy, what cars we are supposed to drive. What, what happens? Everything that's sold in our society is sold by what? Larger than life people. Oh, they use that toothbrush. I want to use that toothbrush. If it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me. What is it? It's an image. It's a, it's a person that's larger than life through their talent. Or, or, or maybe they're a famous actor or an athlete or a singer. Or we, 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 have, we have these larger than life images. Not people we know, but images. They're, they're just images and they're sounds. I think that's interesting. And, and music is so much to the core of who we are. That's why you've got to be careful what you listen to and what you look at. Because it's not harmless. That, that, that it's not harmless. We live in a culture that wants to play sounds to us and show images to us that, that, that's causing us to move in a direction because everybody's going to worship something. You are a worshiper. You were created to worship God. As a matter of fact, the whole kind of epistory of the, of the whole Bible is about worship. In the beginning, you have, you have Lucifer that was built for worship, and we call him Satan today, but he was this angel that was beautiful. A lot of times we think the devil is, you know, pitchfork and red. No, no, no he's beautiful. And, and, and he, he has had built into him, the book of Isaiah said, diamonds and pearls. And it's like his, he, he was an instrument. And, and, and he tried, instead of reflecting God's glory, he tried to take the glory of God for himself and be worshipped instead of worshipping. And because of that, he fell from heaven to earth. And God, to make everything right again, part of his process was creating you and creating me. And he created us as worshipping beings. We are worshippers. In just even the most basic of ways, we are an instrument. I don't know if you've ever thought about yourself this way. You're an instrument. I'm an instrument. Can you do this with your hands? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a percussion instrument. If you were singing earlier, you're a wind instrument. Some people got a lot of wind, right? Yeah. Some people are big wind instruments. And, 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 but if you sing, the, the, song, the singing that we heard, it's because of the string, the vocal cords that God put into us. Like we are just walking instruments everywhere we go. We are, we are built to worship. Everybody worships something. And the question today is, what are you bowing down to? Because everybody bows down to something. Where is our worship going? If you follow the trail of your time, your money, your energy, at the end of that trail, you'll find a throne. And sitting on that throne is the God that you worship. I want to say that again. If you follow the trail of your time, your money, 
and your energy, at the end of that, there will be a throne. And the question is, what is sitting on the throne that you're worshiping? If it's anything other than Jesus Christ, then you have the wrong God. If it's anything other than Jesus Christ, that there's something that's an image that you're worshiping. In our culture today, we worship things like physical beauty. We say, well, if you're not beautiful physically, then you don't matter. If you have something about your body that you don't like, that, that, that you don't matter like other people matter. It's, it's an idol. We, we worship wealth. If you're not wealthy, then you're not valued. That, 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 that if, that there's nothing wrong with wealth. There's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong. It's, it's, some people quote and say money is the root of all evil. That's not what the Bible says. It says if you love it. The love of money is the root of all evil. Why? Because it's an idol. Because you're loving something other than, other than God. See, money promises many of the same things that God's promises. Security, hope, money. God says that money is not, not the God. That you're, it's an idol in our culture today. That, that, that the love of these things, success, pleasure, fame, none of these things are inherently wrong, but it's when we, when we worship these things above God, influence, popularity. And, and we should be our best, do our best. God doesn't get any glory when we're not excellent people. God doesn't get any glory when we're not growing in the gift that he gave us. I was reminded this week, David, as we know in the Bible, David played the harp in King Saul's court but he didn't play the harp in King Saul's court because he just had a good heart for God. He played the harp in King Saul's court. Drum roll, please, because he played the harp good. <laughs> That's it. In other words, that there are things that own, there are parts of life, there are positions, there are blessings, there are parts of influence in our culture that we can only get to if we, if we grow in the gifts that God has given us. And, and, and all of those things are well and good as long as is, is our worship is going to God and God alone. I think, too, we see through the life of Nebuchadnezzar that we're always tempted to create a false image of ourselves to impress others. We're, we're tempted. That's what Nebuchadnezzar did. And he was a man. He knew he had issues. He knew he had problems. But he said, hey, I want to make myself larger than life so that other people will look at me and be like, oh, that guy's awesome. I'm going to worship him. And, and, and with, with, with the internet today and with social media today, we can, we can easily filter our lives. We put all the good stuff on, online. And we, 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 we can easily not be real. Guys, we got to be real. We, we got to be honest. We got to be real and, and, and give God our worship and give God our praise and not live a filtered life and, and try to be something that we're not. You know, what, what I've learned is that God can never bless a copy. He only blesses the real thing. And, and, and you're exactly who God wanted you to be. God didn't create an accident whenever he made you. There's nobody in this room that's junk. All of your idiosyncrasies, all of your, all the things that are unique and interesting about all of us. God made us that way. You don't have to be like anybody else and, and, and put your image up in, in our culture to, to be worshipped. Be real. Be humble before God. And here's the third thing, that if you try to reject culture's idols, people will always try to burn you. <laughs> Watch it. Literally. Just then, because what happened in the scripture is everyone bowed down except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And it says, this, Then some Babylonian fortune tellers stepped up and accused the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, Long live the king. You gave strict orders, O king, that when the big band started playing, 
everyone had to fall to their knees and worship the gold statue. And whoever did not go to their knees and worship had to be pitched into a roaring furnace. Well, there are some Jews here, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have placed in high positions in the province of Babylon. These men are ignoring you, O king. They don't respect your gods, and they won't worship the gold statue that you've set up. In other words, when you take a stand for God, not everybody's going to understand your stand. When you take a stand for God, not everybody's going to be happy with you. When you say, you know what, I'm not angry, I'm not mad, I don't have a bad spirit, but yes, for me and my house, as for my life, every, everybody else may be doing something, but I'm going to make a choice to stand up and stand for my God. Everybody's not going to understand what, what my calling and what my responsibility is to do for God. And it reminds me of this quote by Winston Churchill. It says, if you have enemies, good. That means that you've stood up for something sometime in your life. Church, we have to live our lives in such a way where we understand, I would rather please God than please people. The will of God Fulfilling the will of God for your life, what I have found, usually goes in direct opposition to, an, to the approval addiction that I have. I have an approval addiction. I, I want people to approve me. But whenever God's word speaks to me, I have a decision to make. Am I going to follow God or am I going to follow people? Am I going to please God or am I going to please people? What I've learned is that peop, God loves you and everybody else has a plan for your life. And many times saying yes to God's plan for your life means saying no to other people's plan for your life. That, that, that everyone wasn't excited about what they were, what they were doing. Here it goes on, Daniel 3.13. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I've set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the harp, the lyre, the pipe, and all kinds of music, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image I've made, very good. And watch what the king begins to say, But if you don't worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. And then Nebuchadnezzar starts preaching to these teenage boys. He says, then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? See, Nebuchadnezzar begins to preach a message to these boys. And the message is simply entitled this, that Nebuchadnezzar preaches. He turns to the book of fear, chapter 3, and he says, Today I'm going to preach to you a message called, Can God? And the subtitle of the message is called, What If? Has anybody ever heard the, the devil preach a message to you, a good message on what if? What if God doesn't come through? What if you step out and it doesn't happen? What if you go down? What if God isn't able? What if you stretch too far? What if you don't get back together? What if you never find a spouse? What if the kids never come back home? What if the money never turns around? What if they foreclose on the house? What if you trust God and you lose all your friends? What if, what if you do this for God and he doesn't come through and the enemy begins to preach a message to you and he, he, he starts telling you and talking to you and, te and teaching you in your ear about what God's going to do and can God 
do it. And then at the same time, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they have another message in their heart. Nebuchadnezzar is preaching a message to them called, Can God? But then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego start preaching a message with the title, God Can. And here's what they say. They simply said this, O king, we don't need to defend ourselves in this matter. I love that. That you don't have to defend yourself, that God can do it alone. It says, if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we worship is able to save us. They don't say God, God, they don't, they don't say, oh, can God, they say God can. We have to learn sometimes to preach to ourselves. You ever preach to yourself before? Man, I know you may not have a microphone or a stage, but sometimes you just got to get alone and you got to preach to yourself. You just say, okay, uh, uh, I'm so glad you've come to to come here today. Uh, uh, Devil, I know you're here. You're talking to me in my ear. If you please, we're going to turn today to the book of Daniel and we're going to go to Daniel chapter 3. Go ahead, devil. Take your time getting to the word. You know, we're we're just going to take our time today. And uh, when you have it, say amen uh, or or, oh me, whatever you want to say, devil. And um, Daniel chapter 3. Yes, well, this chapter, chapter is about how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were warned that, that they were going to die if they didn't bow to you. And, and I just want you to know they didn't bow, and devil, I'm not going to bow either. In the name of Jesus, amen. Shut your Bible, take up an offering, and go home and realize that, you know what, you got to preach sometimes to yourself the Word of God. I'm excited today. Because there's sometimes, you, you don't have time. It's, it'd be great if every trial in life happened to us on the way to church on Sunday morning. And you could hear a preacher get up and say, God's able and God's strong and God's going to do it and all these things. But the reality is that your, all your trials are probably not going to happen on Sunday morning. They're probably going to happen on Monday morning and Tuesday afternoon. And a phone call in the middle of the night and a snake in your house and you don't know what's going on. And in all of that, you've got to learn to preach a little bit to yourself. I mean, get a, I mean, be a good preacher. I mean, get it in you. You know, preach, preach like a country you know, preacher on fire. You know, just give it all you got. Nobody's going to be looking. I mean, just give it all you got. They started preaching to themselves. And here's what they said. And remember that God can. <laughs> Stir it up inside of you that God can do anything. I know it looks like it's impossible, but God can do it. I want to tell somebody, maybe the devil's lying, telling you that God can't do it. It's too far gone. I want to remind you that we serve the God that stepped out on nothing and created everything. He said, let there be light. I want to remind you that we serve a God that can turn water into wine. And that reminds me, wine takes a long time. Wine doesn't just take a few minutes to make. Wine takes years and decades to make. And good wine takes even longer. And you know what? God can do what it would take years for you to catch up to do. God says, I can do in a moment what you couldn't do in a lifetime. We serve a God who is able. He's still infinite in His understanding. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. I love that. I tell myself that all the time. That God, you're not going to leave me in the middle of a story unfinished. But you already have a plan for the end of the story. And it's a good story. Because we serve a God that he does the best. He can make the best stories out of the worst chapters in our lives. So maybe you're in a bad chapter. But understand, we serve a God who can make it into a great story. Remember that God can. And then the sermon continues. They don't stop with God can, Nebuchadnezzar. They go on and they say, as a matter of fact, and he will save us from your power, O king. See, it's one thing to believe that God can. It's another thing to believe that God will. 
It's one thing to believe that God is able. It's another thing to believe that God's able in your life. See, we've all known people that have that we all we've all known people that had the power to bless our lives or had the power to love us or had the power to care for us and they didn't. But I want to tell you God's not like that at all. But God doesn't just care about you. God's not just able, but God's here and he's going to help you right in the middle of your situation and they said, "Oh king, we don't understand it, but we know this that God is able and he's not only able, he will do the work in our lives. And here's the second thing they said, believe. We believe that God will. We believe that God will. We don't understand. We don't want to walk through this, but we believe that God will anyway. I think sometimes in the church we've taught faith wrong. We teach that if you have faith, then you're not going to walk through any storms in your life. But I think that's not the truth because if you've never walked through any storms, how do you even know if you have faith or not? See, faith is built for the storm. Your faith is built for the, for the storm. It, it's like an off-road vehicle. I don't know if you've ever uh, driven a Jeep before that's big, hopped up on big old tires and, and, and going off-road. Have you ever seen these Jeeps before? Now, I know some of you guys, you have them. I love them. I think it's awesome. That's my favorite car. And, and I, I see it. But, but have you ever ridden in one of those on the street? You know, it is, it is loud. It is bumpy. It is noisy. It, it's hard to ride in. But you take that thing off-road, and that's what it was made to do. And I think sometimes we think our, we think our Christianity is not working well. And the reality is we're, it's not working well because we're not driving it in the right place. Jesus didn't come to give us seatbelts. He came to give us lives of adventure and strength and power and might and, and to walk through things. Because all of us, we, we, we know people that have testimonies and stories. And we listen to their messages and we buy their books. And we have family members. And my grandparents have miracle stories of things that God has done. And money that came out of the middle of nowhere and people. And, and miracles and healings and all those type of things. And I want you to know that God wants to give you the same kind of miracles that he's given to your ancestors. Why? Because God doesn't have grandkids. God doesn't want you to go to heaven on the coattail of anyone else's miracle. He wants to you to know who he is. But that only happens when you go off road and see that God can do it. And God will do it in our lives. He said, when... You go through deep waters, Isaiah said. I love that. Not if you go through deep waters, but when you go through deep waters. See, our faith was made for deep waters. I want you to know those deep waters you're in right now, it's not going to destroy your faith because your faith was made for the deep waters. Because God says, I will be with you. He didn't say, I might be with you. He doesn't even say, you will feel that I'm with you. He just says, even when you don't feel it, even when you don't see it, I'm going to be with you in the middle of deep waters. Somebody's in some deep waters right now. You feel like you're going to drown. I want you to know God's with you. You're not going to drown. He goes on to say, when you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire. Could you say that word when with me? Say when you walk through the fire. I want to read this whole verse again. I want you to say it when with me. On the count of three. One, two, three. When you go through deep waters and great trouble, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up and the flames will not consume you. Church, I want to tell you, God's with you in the wind. God's with you in the fire. God's with you in the struggle. God's with you in the, in the water. God's with you in the river. He's with you all the way. I love a God that says, I'm with you right in the middle of the situation. And, and, and then their message turns. I mean, they're preaching a good one. I mean, they, they got their teaching TV to Nebuchadnezzar and everything. I mean, they're telling him, I mean, they're preaching good. They got the B3 organ. Hey, everybody. You know, I mean, they're, they're preaching good. 
And then they say, musicians, you could come. We got one more part of the sermon that we're going to close with. It said, first of all, the first point of the sermon is God, will, God is able. Second point of the sermon, God will in my life. Third part of the sermon, and Nebuchadnezzar and the devil didn't think they were going to see this coming. And here's what they said. But even if he doesn't save us, we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you set up. See, it makes sense when you say God's able. It makes sense when you kind of get a little power of positive thinking. You say, oh, 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 yeah, and he's going to do it. You know, he's going to do it. But, but, but the devil doesn't expect someone to have it even if he doesn't kind of faith. See, you don't. anybody can worship God for what he does, what he does do. But my question today is, can you worship God for what he doesn't do in your life? Can you worship God when he doesn't come through the way you thought he was going to come through? Do you have an even if he doesn't kind of, kind of faith? See, see, the enemy can try to kind of manipulate the rest because there are certain things that God doesn't do the way that we think he's going to do or in the time frame that we think he's going to do it. If I could get God anything, it'd be a wristwatch. I'd get him an Apple watch. I mean, I'd give him the expensive one, the one that's, you know, that, that's, that, you know, a couple thousand. I mean, I would give it to him. You know, God, this is, a, this is a watch. You know, you do things on my time. But God says, no, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. It, you know, it, in, in a day with the Lord, the Bible says, is a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. So in other words, God doesn't always do things the way that we think. And some of us are in the middle of a miracle, and the devil's lying to you the whole time saying, God's not going to do it. Look, he's already failed. He's not going to do what he said he was going to do. And, 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 but the, these boys, they had something in them. They said, no, 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 no. Even if he doesn't do it the way that we think he's going to do it, I'm still not going to bow to your gods. I love that kind of faith. I don't know. Maybe you're going through something in our culture. Maybe you're going through something in your health. Maybe you're going through something in your marriage. Whatever storm you're going through, get an even if he doesn't kind of faith in your heart. That'll mess with him. Here's the truth. Stand no matter what. Stand no matter what. Get a no matter what kind of faith in your spirit. No matter what. No matter what. No matter what. We used to sing a song when I was a kid. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. We would sing that. I'm a soldier in the army and then we'd say, if I die, let me die. And the, I mean, little kids. I mean, I, I don't, we, we're changing that a little bit. But poor thing. No wonder I had so many nightmares as a kid. I'm dying in the army of the Lord. <laughs> but the reality is, no matter what, I love that kind of heart. No matter what. No matter what you're going through. No matter what. So what happens next? I'm sure in their mind when they took a stand, they probably assumed that God was going to just like, you know, a mighty, and then a mighty angel came and flapped his wings and it would, you know, the earth shook and Nebuchadnezzar, you know, died and they became the king. You know, I mean, I'm sure that's what they thought was going to happen, but it didn't. It said, then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. And commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie him up. Throw him into the blazing furnace. So these men, they wore their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes. They were bound, thrown into the blazing fire. So they were tied up, bound. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I about called this message, the heat is on. What do you do when the heat is on in your life? 
And these three men, firmly tied but suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and asked his advisors, Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, we did, they said. He says, Well, look now, he shouted. You can see four men now. Watch this. Unbound, walking around freely in the fire. Watch what God does in the fire. See, we want God. I want God. I, I would take the we to and me. I want God to lift me out of the fire. I want God to give me the most comfortable Uber ride on a helicopter out of the fire. I, I want to get out of the fire as quickly as possible. But sometimes God doesn't take us out of the fire. Sometimes God takes us through the fire because the fire is doing something that we can never see it doing. I want to show you what the fire will do in your life. Here's the first thing. God will use the fire to set us free. See, the only thing that was burnt on them were the things that had them bound. And I want to tell you what the enemy has you going through right now. You may think it's over, but the only thing this situation that you're going through, this fire is going to do, is it's going to set you free in the name of Jesus. It's going to set you free from the opinions of others, from the inhibitions that you may have. From It's going to put a freedom in your spirit to know who you are in Jesus Christ. It, it will set you free in the fire. It, it just burned off. In the fire. The second thing, God will use the fire to bring us friends in faith. You know, it's a lot of people say they have a friend, but start walking through the fire and see how many friends you have. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had a gift. I don't know, and in life you get more than a couple of these at a time, but each of them had two friends in faith. The three of them together stood together in church. I could say we need some friends in faith. There's not anybody in, in, in this room, including me, that's strong enough to be able to face the fire alone. We need some friends. They'll say, if you're walking through it, I'm walking through it. I'm not, you're not going to walk alone. We're going to stand together. That's why we do small groups throughout the week. That's why we have next steps today. That's why our whole church is structured not on you coming, sitting in rows and listening to someone speak. It's all built on us getting in circles, having relationships with one another. Why? Because I want you to find some friends in faith. Thank God for the preaching of the word. But you know what? You need some people that will preach to you in the midnight hour. You need some people that when that call comes at 2 o'clock in the morning, you can say, help me, walk with me through the fire of my life. Some friends in faith. I love it. It goes on to say that Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come out at once. So the three men stepped out of the fire. Then the princes, prefects, governors, and advisors crowded around them, saw that the fire hasn't even touched them, hasn't even touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed. I can't even do that whenever I grill. Every time I get a new grill, I'm like, pray, honey. I may not make it through this one. It says, and their clothing was not even scorched. I think that's so powerful. Because I'm sure they walked in knowing it was over. But they walked out realizing that God wasn't even, God wasn't even, it, it, it was just the beginning. I want to tell you what the devil's telling you is about over. God says, no, no, no. It's not even done because they didn't even smell like smoke. You can't even walk in some restaurants and experience that same thing. Didn't even smell like smoke. It says, Then the king said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 
who sent his angel to rescue his servants. See, think of the change that happened. They went from, he went from worship me to worshiping the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It says, for they trusted in him. They defied my commandments and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any God except their own. Therefore, I make this decree. If anyone says anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be put to death and their houses will be destroyed. There is no other God who can save anyone like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. The fire was their agent of promotion. And here's the next thing. The fire will bring unbelievers to God. You can go and tell and throw tracks at people and, um, and, and, you, you, and you should. You should, you should not throw tracks at people, but you should. <laughs> Here, ah, that's a weird, what in the world? But we should, we, we should tell everyone that we know about our God, man, about our church, if God's called you here. But, 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 here's, but here's the reality. There's nothing in your life that will testify to your God than the fire that you walk through. Because you won't have to tell them. They'll ask you. They'll say, hey, hey, what a moment. What's, wait a minute, what's, what's different about you? What's different about you? That you can walk through this fire and still have your faith. What, tell me, how, how do you walk through that? The fire will bring unbelievers to God. And I want to end with this thought today. In the, in the New Testament, after Jesus is resurrected, every time you see him in, every time you see him described, he's always sitting. Um, usually it says sitting at the right hand of God or sitting um, at the right hand of the Father. But here, here it is in Colossians 3.1. It says uh, where Christ is, this is just an example of what I was saying. Colossians 3.1, it says where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And we understand he's seated because the work's been done and there's no more work to, to be done. He's seated. And... But there's one time in the New Testament after the resurrection where the Bible doesn't say that in heaven Jesus is sitting down. And it is in this passage in Acts chapter 7 when Stephen, one of the first Christians, was preaching the gospel and people said to him, if you don't stop preaching the gospel, then I'm going to kill you. And they said they're going to stone him. They're going to take stones and literally throw it at him and kill him. And they said, you got a choice. Are you going to stand for your God and die or are you going to bow down and you're going to quit preaching about this Jesus? It says, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and he saw the glory of God and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He said, look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Every time you see a picture of heaven, he's sitting, except for this time when a believer is standing up. Even though he's having a defining moment where I'm sure he wanted to live. I'm sure he didn't want to have 
to make the decision that he was making. I'm sure he was scared to death. But Stephen said, here I stand. And the truth is simply this, that when I stand for God, Jesus stands with me. I don't know what circumstance has you bound, has you wanting to run away or to bow. Or, but I just want to bring you some encouragement today. Stand. Scripture says, having done all to stand, just stand. I love this statement. I have it here on my screen. I think it just represents so well the people I pray that we are. It says, I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of His. And I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm done and finished with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, and colorless dreams. Tame visions, mundane talking, cheap living, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, pundits, or popularity. I don't have to be right or first or tops or recognized or praised or rewarded. I live by faith, lean on His presence, walk by patience, lift by prayer, and labor by the Holy Spirit's power. My face is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road may be narrow. My way rough. My companions few. But my God is reliable and my mission is clear. I will not be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice or hesitate in the presence of the adversary. I will not negotiate at the table of the enemy or ponder at the pool of popularity or meander at the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up or let up until I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up and preached up for the gospel of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus, I must give till I drop, preach until all know, work until he comes, and when he comes for his own, he'll have no problems recognizing me because my colors will be clear. Somebody give God praise in the house this morning. Let's stand to our feet all over the house. I want to pray for us, every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's stand for God. Let's stand for God. Maybe you're here today and you haven't been standing for God. You've been living in some compromise in your life. And I want you to know that Jesus did not bring you here to put you down, but to lift you up and to let you know that there's hope for you today. That you don't have to be what you've been, but today can be a day Or you make a fresh commitment and say, Jesus, I'm ready to stand for you. No matter what, I'm going to stand and I'm going to trust you, Lord. So, Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would put in us strength to stand. Lord, I know under the sound of my voice, there are people going through unimaginable adversity. It's got to feel like they're literally being thrown into the furnace. And the devil's preaching a message to them about how you're not able to do a work in their life. Father, I pray right now that a courage 
from, from that can only come from you, Holy Spirit, that you would speak fresh faith into the hearts and lives of your people to stand in the fire and to let you purify and break away the things that have us bound. In Jesus' name. If you're here today and you need to give your life to Jesus or recommit your life to Jesus or recommit your life to not compromise your convictions, I want to pray with you. And if that's you, nobody's looking around, but I think today is a message of response. And if you're ready, and today's a day, God's doing something in your life through this message, and you're ready to give your life to Jesus, I just invite you on the count of three, just lift up your hand and say, yes, that's me. Yes, that's me. I'm committed to not compromise. I'm committed to, to wait. I'm committed to trust. I'm committed to follow Jesus. On the count of three, one, two, three. That's it. All over the house, I see hands. I see hands. Hey, Amen. I just want to give you a prayer. You didn't pray your own prayer. But let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you for what you've done in our lives. Thank you for the example of the scripture that we don't have to bow. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Anything that separates me from you, fill me with your spirit. Change me. Make me new. Be my God, be my Lord, be my Savior. I trust you, Lord. Be my one and only. From this moment forward, God, I follow you and trust you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen, amen, amen. Church, can we just give God a hand clap of praise? Just thank Him. Why don't you do this? Take the hand of somebody around you right now and I just feel like we need some friends in faith. I just feel like we need some friends in faith in this service today. If you're going through something, we'll have serve team down here to pray, or maybe that person that's, that's with you right there, why don't you just lean over and just let them know what you're going through if they don't know. Maybe it's a somebody you don't know and you just need prayer. As we sing this song, let's lift our hands to heaven. Let's declare, declare the greatness of our God. Let's lift each other up because we're walking together. Because God's going to do everything that he promised in our lives. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray you draw anyone who needs prayer, God. Speak to us in this moment. In Jesus' name. Let's just pray, worship, respond before we go today. In Jesus' name. Oh, praise the name. Oh, praise the name.